Take a seat just for a moment. Just I want to take a moment to honour some veterans in the place. If you're a veteran, would you stand to your feet quickly, please? I know Mr. Porres is over there. Please take a moment to honour them. Thank you for your service. You know, I, I text John Porres on Friday. I was like, happy Veterans Day, sir. And then he texts me back. He's like, enjoy your freedom. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. We're going to read a passage of Scripture, then get into it. Today, you doing good? Yes. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 says this. It says, I've received full payment. Someone say full payment. Full payment. It says, I got more than enough. Someone say more than enough. More than enough. It says, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus or our boy E.P., the gifts you sent, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's say that one together. And my God, and my God will meet all your needs, all your needs according, to according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I noticed there's a spelling mistake on that, but it's still anointed. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the children in our kids' space, those who teach them. Holy Spirit, move amongst them with power. I pray, Lord God, for those who are in the overflow right now, that You would grace them and speak to them and build them. I pray for people in this sanctuary right now, every man, every woman, that You would speak to them and guide them. And God, let eyes be open, I pray. I pray, Father, for marriages and homes. I pray for teenagers. I pray, Lord God, for government officials and business and every place and space that Christians and people of faith are called to be influential. I pray for that today in the Name of Jesus, that You would help us be the light and help us be the salt wherever we go, Lord Jesus. Help us walk in Your grace. Help us um, just be more moldable, more teachable, Father. I humble myself under Your hand, God, that You might speak through Your servant. Bless Your people now, I pray. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart change my life in your powerful name and everyone said come on let's give the Lord a hand one more time praise God hey grab your seat and turn to the person next to you and tell them you look like you lost weight one of the most famous verses in all the Bible is the one I just read, Philippians 4, 19. See it on T-shirts. You can, people kind of know it. My God shall meet all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But let me ask you a question. What does it mean for God to meet all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus? That's what I want to unpack today. That's what I want to get into. You know, we serve a miraculous God. We serve a God that one man, the man Elijah, literally sat in a river one time in a ravine and birds came and fed him in the morning and the night. We serve a miraculous God when Jesus literally took a loaf of bread and little like Burger King snack pack, just multiplied it and fed 5,000 people. How many of you know that's not normal? Um, Children of Israel literally walked outside their tent. They had manna all around them. There was food everywhere. How many know? It'd be kind of cool. Just wake up in the morning. There's bread 
on the floor. Even though that's disgusting, they picked it up and ate it anyway. And um, so we serve a miraculous God, but sometimes the simplicity of us serving a miraculous God means that we delve into certain scriptures and we overemphasize certain scriptures. And so what that sometimes means is, is that what weaves into the Christian subculture is this thing, well, my God will meet my needs, but not know the ways of God. In other words, sometimes what I've seen over the years is that in the Christian culture, there's sometimes a bit of a lazy culture instead of a diligent culture. But a lazy culture is opposite to the kingdom. A diligent culture is reflective of the kingdom of God and a lazy culture is opposite. So when I say, my God shall meet all of my needs according to His riches and glory, does that mean I just sit back and pray and say, Jesus, would you just float some bread over here? Would you cause a, a, a bird to just come over and bring food to my mouth? Like Ace Ventura. <laughs> and all these animals just come and hang out with Him. Is that what a spiritual man or woman looks like? Let me quote another passage of Scripture that's a known, known verse in Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus speaking, He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if you think that seeking God, the only thing you do is pray, then what do you do? You pray, and then you wonder why you're broke. Let me amplify this in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Let me read this. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after His kingdom and His righteousness. Now watch this now. This is so important. It says, His way of doing. Say that with me. His way of doing. doing. And then it says, and being the attitude and what? The attitude and what? The attitude and character of God and all these things will be given to you as well. So I wanna dive into today a large passage of Scripture in the book of Proverbs chapter 31. And um, we're gonna dive in and there's gonna be lessons here for men. There's gonna be lessons here for women. I wanna make sure this doesn't feel like a, a women's message, men. But it is speaking of not just a virtuous woman, It's speaking of a sharp, sharp businesswoman who actually shows us the ways and the paths of God and how God's provision actually works. Does that sound good? Because if you're gonna spend years and years working, how many of you know you want that time to be fruitful? You want that time to be be soul satisfying? You want that time to make a difference? You want that time to mean something? You don't just wanna work and then actually undervalue that. You wanna value that. Because I'll tell you right now, your work is worship. Your work is worship if you'll do it with a worshipful attitude. Does that make sense? Now, if you're in school right now, guess what? School is worship. How you study, how you bring your attitude, how you bring what you bring to school, to work, to college, to an internship, to being a CEO or a teacher or a government official, it's all worship if you bring an attitude of worship. Does that make sense? Uh, Proverbs chapter 31 says this, verse 10. An excellent woman 
One who is spiritual, capable, intelligent, and virtuous. Who is he who can find her? Her value is more precious than jewels and her worth is far above rubies or pearls. The heart of her husband trusts in her with secure confidence and he will have no lack of gain. She comforts, encourages, and does him only good and not evil all the days of her life. She works for wool and flax and works with willing hands in delight. My first point today is this. She models a godly attitude towards work. A godly man, a godly woman will model a godly attitude towards work. Watch this now. She works with willing hands. Someone say willing hands. She's willing to work. She's not unwilling to work. She's not, hear this now, she's not wishing someone else would be working for her. She's willing. Someone say willing. I love talking to entrepreneurs and business people and I sometimes will obviously ask them, how's business? What's going on? How's things going? And you know how many conversations I've had over time where I say, hey, how's work? How's business? How's it going? And almost every single one of them tell me this, you can't find good people anymore. Why would that be the attitude of a business person? I've talked to cafe owners. I've talked to guys who've started companies in New York City. I've talked to so many different people. And here's what they often tell me. It's hard to find people who want to work. Have you ever been to a cafe and thought to yourself, if I own this cafe, I'd fire everybody? I promise you, I've thought that a lot. I've gone into restaurants. Guess what? You're in the customer service business. You're like, no, I'm in the coffee business. No, no, no. (laughs) You're in the customer service business. That means you smile at people. (laughs) Hi. Not like sometimes I've walked up to people at at, uh, ShopRite, for instance, and I'm there to pay my, you know, pay for what I got. And someone's just been scrolling on their phone and then they look up at you. Like you're bothering them? I thought you were here to work. No, 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 I'm here to catch up on my social media. And I wanna tell you it's a dangerous attitude. I wanna encourage you that that kind of attitude puts you in the victim space. That kind of attitude says, why don't things happen for me? But instead of saying, God, help me become the person you shape, you mold, you make, to become a blessing wherever I go. Does that make sense? She models a godly attitude toward work. Let me say this, if you, especially if you're young and in your 20s, when you're highly entertained, you're not motivated. When you're highly entertained by your phone, when you're highly entertained by social media, when you're highly entertained, you are not motivated. Why? Because you're already busy in your mind. And so when your mind is already busy, it's already occupied, it's already preoccupied, you don't have this drive on the inside that says, I need to go and I need to go and produce something. No, you show up and you're hoping. And I, and I say this and I teach this way because, man, I wish I could meet the 16, 17, 18 year old Anthony because I'd slack that one. <laughs> so I get a little firm when I'm talking about this stuff because I wish someone would have had that conversation with me, not one time. I wish someone would have had that conversation with me a lot because it actually would have taught me how important work is. And I would say this to you young people, you might be working in a job and you hate the job. I wanna tell you there's leadership lessons everywhere. 
There's management lessons everywhere. There's people lessons everywhere. There's dedication lessons everywhere. There's endurance and perseverance lessons everywhere you go. And you might be in one work situation, but catch this now, maybe a multimillionaire just stepped into your business. And guess what? They're looking for good employees. And as you're serving them with a bad attitude, they're looking for great employees. And guess who they just bumped into? Are they gonna hire the one who's, who's rocking, who's, man, how can I help you, sir? They're engaged, they're in the moment. Or are they gonna hire the person who's just like, hey. I gotta help you. And I've been in shop after shop and I think to myself, man, I wouldn't hire you. So I'm trying to help you. If you're here in your teens, in your 20s, guess what? I'm trying to help you get promoted. Amen. When you're highly entertained, you're not motivated. Let me also mention this. A lot of the Marxist doctrine that seems to be spreading and it's really subtle across America, who is Karl Marx? Karl Marx is the father of, modern, of communism. Communism doesn't believe in God. Communism hates God. Karl Marx's father was a Jewish man that was involved very heavily in the Jewish community, but when it wasn't convenient, his father switched over to a Protestant religion, not because he found Jesus, but because it wasn't, it wasn't successful for him to be a Jew in that time. And so he switches over to Protestantism, and then what happens is the son looks and says, ah, oh, religion is just a crutch. And so Karl Marx then creates an anti-God movement called communism, called Marxism. And in Marxism, it breaks people into oppressor and oppressed. Well, guess what? Oppressed people think everyone owes them something. But godly thinking says life is a gift. God's anointed me and graced me with certain gifts and talents and personalities that if I'm alive, then there's a reason that I'm alive. Right, does that make sense? Listen to Colossians chapter three, verse 23. Whatever you do, someone say, whatever you do. Whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is putting your very best effort. How many of you are still working on that? Yeah. There's certain parts of my job, I'm still working on that. As something done for the Lord and not for men. The primary way God provides for you is through your gifting, and your character, and I'll say this, over decades. Yeah. You'll often see someone who got rich quick. Don't chase that. Yeah. Because if you're gonna become a person of significance, you'll actually have to work for decades. Yeah. It's just the way it is. She models for us this. She models Can someone get my iPad? Quickly. All right, let's go to the next verse. Can you show me the next uh, slide, guys? Because I've got a whole bunch of quotes up here and it's, and it's like wrong pages. Can you show me the next slide? All right, here we go. Proverbs 31, verse 15. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Now, I want you to see this now. This is a businesswoman. Someone say a businesswoman. 
Again, I want to say it's a business person because I want to relate this to men and women. She gets up early. She's the opposite of lazy. She gets up early. Now take this how you need it. If you're an early person, if you're a hardworking person, I'm not guilting you to go from working at five, getting up at five in the morning to working and getting up at four in the morning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to a, a woman who stays home and takes care of her kids, I'm not saying you need to become an entrepreneur. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that this godly, faith-filled woman models for men and women what godly financial leadership looks like. She gets up early. She pushes away laziness. She is diligent. Watch this now. She has people working for her. She manages their tasks. She pays them on time. She pays them a fair wage. This is the way of the godly. Someone say that with me. This is... The way of the godly. When we say, God, I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, this doesn't mean I just pray all day. This means I pray, I work, I deal with my attitude, I show up on time, I show up early, I go over and above because I'm not just working for a paycheck, I'm working for the king who will reward me one day, who will honour me one day. She works with willing hands and she has passion in her work. Someone say passion. passion. She's passionate about her work. She brings delight in it. Listen to what Steve Jobs said. He says, your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. Someone say great work. work. Now, when we work for the king, is that great work? It's always great work if I work for the king. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. So let me talk to you. If you're young here, again, I I, want to encourage a a godly kingdom mindset when we look for work. What if you're working in a place that's not your passion? What do you do when you're working for a place that's not your passion? Do you just quit and say, this isn't my passion, this isn't what I'm filled with, with purpose? No, you learn the lessons that are right in front of you right there. You literally go, man, I'm not working in my passion, but one day I'll be working in my passion. But until I'm working in my passion and my purpose, guess what? I'm gonna be a faithful person at that place. Does that make sense? Come on, give the Lord a hand. All right, let's go. Verse 16 says this, Proverbs 31. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Now, let me, this is straight Bible, literally going verse by verse, showing you principles of what it means to be a seeker of God's kingdom. I want you to notice this. She considers a field and buys it. What I would say, I don't know if this woman's in real estate, but she does real estate. She sees opportunity in her business, she's, she's looking at places, she's not just talking about, he's not just talking about interest rates are high. They're not just talking about, oh, times are unstable. Can I ask you a question? 
If times are unstable now, this is written 3,000 years ago. Do you think times were unstable then? They didn't have plumbing. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have all the opportunity that we have. And yet in a time where we would look back and say that is a time of little opportunity, guess what? This woman sees opportunity. A godly man and a godly woman, they see opportunity because they know God's with them. They see opportunity because they know that they're alive for this time and this reason and this season. And in front of them is opportunity everywhere. Let me ask you a question when it comes to real estate. How many think real estate's expensive? How many think in the 2000s they thought it was expensive? How many think in the 90s they thought it was expensive? How many think in the 80s they thought it was expensive? How many think in the 70s they thought it was expensive? You know, in the 60s, they were sitting there talking about how expensive real estate was. You know, in the 50s, they kept on talking about how expensive real estate was. Do you know, in the 40s, they kept looking around going, who can afford these prices? Are you getting me? Guess what? In 30 or 40 or 50 years from now, you'll look back and go, I wish. Just trying to help some people. She considers a field and buys it. Now watch this now. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. This is the Bible. She's, she's a, um, her earnings are making clothes, are selling clothes. She's a merchant. That's what seems to be her primary thing. She sees the field. She buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. What's a vineyard? It's gonna produce for the community grapes or wine. She's adding value to the community. And guess what? She's actually creating generational wealth for her home. Because one day she's gonna pass away and who's she gonna pass on off that vineyard to? I believe that godly people need to think generationally. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I believe godly people need to leave an inheritance for their children's children. Um, Sometimes our theology, our evangelical theology, which I embrace, Jesus is coming back at any time, causes us to not think generationally. What a wise man once said back at Liberty University, the founder of Liberty University and Thomas Road Baptist Church, he said this, be ready if Jesus comes back tomorrow, but plan for the next generation. I pray out of this church comes people who are planning for the next generation, both for the kingdom of God and for their own generation. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. Do you get the feeling that this woman works hard? Listen to what vigorous means, carried out forcefully and energetically. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Someone say profitable. Profitable. Come on, say it one more time, profitable. profitable. The reason I say that is I would believe this, a godly man or woman of faith doesn't believe that making money is bad, evil, or that money is the root of all evil. Let me say that again. A godly man or woman of faith, this is what this woman is, does not believe that making money is bad, evil, or that money is the root of all evil. 
Why? The love, the lust, the insatiable desire for money, that is a root of evil. It's one of the most twisted scriptures in all the Bible. Money's the root of all evil. And you're like, man, you need clothes, don't you? How many glad the person next to you came in with clothes today? You need finances. We need to be wise because our King is wise. We need to be wise because our Lord is wise. We need to be wise because this is the way of the kingdom is literally looking at finances and saying, man, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing if I use it for godly purposes. If you give all ungodly people money, what do they do? They do ungodly things. But what happens when wise people get it? When godly people get it, they do what? They do good things. Do you know that as we sung uh, the American anthem or or the the beautiful song today, right before I spoke, did you know that 70% of the finances that come out of America Um, sorry, 70% of the money that funds the gospel all over the world comes out of America. 70% of the the mission's money funding to other nations comes out of this country. That's a great country. We've built churches, we've built playgrounds, there's hospitals, there's, there's amazing things that can happen when the godly get a revelation that money's not bad. Money just takes on the character of the person who has it. Let me share this other thought with you. My experience over the years tells me this. You don't have or I don't have a good witness at work if you're not diligent. I'm gonna go to my job and I'm gonna shine the light of Christ. I'm gonna talk to everyone about Jesus. Don't do a good job, show up late, lazy. Guess what? No one listens to you. And some Christians lose their witness because they're not dealing with their character. Come on. Um. This isn't to shame anyone going through a hard season, but what I would say to you, if you're struggling in this season, don't let one season become your sentence. Eric Thomas, ET, I love love him. He'll yell at me sometimes when I'm at the gym. (laughs) He says this, don't say you're broke. Say I'm going through financial transition. E.T. was homeless at 30 and now he's a multimillionaire. He says, don't say you're broke. Say I'm moving through financial transition right now. I'm learning the lessons. I'm moving forward. Wise people learn from their mistakes. Proverbs 31 verse 20. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. As I was reading through this text of Scripture, there's so many business principles, leadership principles, godly men, godly women principles in this text of Scripture. But I had to think to myself, man, if Christians would value work, diligence, uh, entrepreneurship, investment, turning investments and even make more money, I started to think to myself how much more generous we could be. 
Why? Listen to what she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. The godly man or woman of God is not ruled by money. They have money. Money doesn't have them. Abraham had money. Money did not have him. Isaac had money. Money didn't have him. Jacob had money. Money didn't have him. King David had money. It didn't have him. Solomon had money. Actually, for a while, he got massively lured by money and all the pleasures of it. You can have a lot of money and it not have you. Here's the thing. You can have no money and it has you. I grew up, um, we rented a home. We never owned a home. We didn't have much money. Can I tell you how much money was part of our conversations? A lot. We wanted a get-rich-quick scheme. I remember we were... um, we got sent these little homes that had tennis court and a pool and, and you got to win it. You sent $10 to this organization and one person out of, I don't know, 20 million people would win the house. And I remember putting my hopes and my dreams. And, Come on, Lord. Bless me. Bless us. Life would be so easy. And you know what happens in those scenarios? You're looking for the quick fix. I wanna move you away from that. If you got caught on that. I wanna move you to character. I wanna move you to diligence. I wanna move you to you are gifted. I wanna move you and encourage you that there's gifts and talents that sit in you. And when you've combined your personality and your passions and time and character, and then say, Lord, help me be the person I meant to be you can expect God's favour and God's blessing on your life. When Paul said to the church at Philippi, he says, my God shall meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He didn't disregard Proverbs 31. This man knew the Scriptures back and forth. And I wonder if he had more time whether he would tell you and tell me. You live in one of the greatest times that's ever been. You can be a, you can have an international business easier than at any other time in the history of mankind where some, someone can buy a product. And I'm not saying everyone go start business. Some of you might need to learn contentment. Some of you might be chasing stuff because you're just watching too much internet, social media stuff. And how can I get rich? And how can I get rich? That's not the spirit of what I'm saying. The Spirit is, if you follow God's paths and you work the days and you work the years, I believe over time you'll be blessed. And I also believe this, the people need you to manage money well and manage business well so that they have an example to follow. Let me tell you a last story. This, I tell this story just to inspire you. My wife and I went to Liberty University. I went there from 97 to 01. Uh, my wife graduated in 03. Um, we didn't know it at the time, 
but the university was actually in a lot of debt. Out of a television scandal, they, which wasn't theirs, they copped a black eye. And so basically money was flowing badly and it kept hemorrhaging and we didn't know it at the time, but the, the school was about to lose their accreditation, which then means the school's over. Jerry Falwell, the, the president of the university who started the university, um, the association that accredits universities met with him and said, if you don't deal with this debt within one year, I have to take away your accreditation. The school's $110 million in debt. He then goes and fasts for 40 days. Would only have vitamins and weirdly Coca-Cola <laughs> and water for 40 days. Felt like the Lord said to him, don't seek the money, seek me. Seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, seeking God. 25 days later, feels like the Lord said, start another fast. Does another 40-day fast. Um, and then he feels like the Lord's like, now you can petition me for the money. Starts to pray and ask God. Maybe even had some conversations with some business guys. One family gave 70 million. One family dropped 50 million on The school was $110 million in debt. They then came away of $10 million over. They then used that money to create one of the largest online learning organizations. Literally today, Liberty's generally number one um, or number two in America. And guess what? It was some business people combined with a man of faith that accomplished something great. Come on, give that a hand. God wants to shape you, make you, mold you, bless you to become a blessing. Come on, close your eyes all, all across this place. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your word and your truth. And those who be in the overflow, those who watch online right now, draw them right now by your Holy Spirit and take this message. Just lift off mindsets and things that hold people back. Speak to people where they need it, Lord. Help it produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold, I pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, let there be miracles amongst this church. Lord, all across places of work and diligence, I just pray for young people that they get a revelation of how you want to use them, how you want to speak to them, how you want to mold them and shape them, Father. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you in advance for it. All across this place with eyes closed. Maybe you're here. I talked about finances. I talked about resources and work. But the greatest debt you'll ever be in is the debt called sin. But I want to tell you this. Jesus already paid the debt. He paid the debt on the cross. His blood was shed, was poured out so that your debt and my debt and the debt of the world could literally be wiped away 
and not just wiped away, but then given a, not just clean slate, but an abundant, righteous slate. God doesn't want to just forgive your sin and then give you a second chance. God wants to forgive your sin and call you a son and call you a daughter of God and say, son, daughter, you're my child now. We receive this grace by faith. We receive it with a acknowledgement that we don't have what it takes to to almost work our way to God or walk our way to God or find God by ourselves. Jesus paid that. Jesus is speaking to people all across this place. And maybe you're here today and you've never met Him and I wanna pray for you in a moment that you would meet Him and accept Him and receive Him. Or maybe you're here today Man, you walked away from God and you fell away from God and your faith's authentic, but you need to come back to God. Today would be a perfect moment to do that. The debt has already been paid. The grace of God is available. The Spirit of God is drawing people right here, right now. So all across this place, with eyes closed, I wanna pray a prayer and that prayer will connect you to Him. So say, dear Jesus, come on every single person, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you'd die for me. I believe you died on the cross. Your blood was shed for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I ask you, forgive my sin. Come into my life. Be my Saviour. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. Help me walk with you all my days, with all eyes closed, all across this place, eyes closed in the overflow room right now. If you meant business with God in here, would you quickly raise your hand and raise it up high, high enough, long enough for me to see it, all across this place. Thank you, sir, thank you, thank you. Hands going up, praise God for every single one. Just hold it up long enough and high enough for me to see it, acknowledge it in this place. Praise God for those in the back and that one over there and that one there. Praise God for you. Man, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand, every heart in Jesus' name. Lord, you are the author of salvation. You're the finisher of salvation. Breathe across this place. Seal your people. Save your people. Plant your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, Church Alive. Can we give the Lord a hand in the house of God? Praise God, praise God.